Hi, my name is Shree, and you're listening to A Quiet Girl with a Lot of Shit to Say, Episode 5, Being Black in Corporate America, Part 1. And today's special guest is Janelle Jack. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good. So this is, like, really important to me. If anybody has ever read my story, which you can find at OURBSD.com backslash um, B-L-O-G, And I just wrote a blog about being Black in corporate America and how I left my corporate America job just because I basically was forced out due to discrimination. So me and Janelle have been friends for so long and just listening to her story, our stories have been so parallel. And I think that Janelle, you've been going through it for a really long time. So I just want to jump right into it. What does it mean to be Black in corporate America? What does that mean to you? It means you're going to work harder um, for little to no recognition um it means that i've been here 15 years going through it are we telling them what i do yeah let's tell it's up to you remember hey you said okay. no go I for it make sure so <laughs> i'm the first black trooper for the nevada highway patrol so i work for the state of nevada um so 15 years ago i came in not knowing that i was the first black female that would have been a lot of pressure coming in as a young 23 year old um but I am. So it's been an uphill battle. So I can work harder. I'm uh, more educated than most of my counterparts, considering there's no degree required for this. And I get little to no recognition. And if I do speak up, I then am, they want me to shut up. So they quiet me down. So are you basically like, I know that for me, like when you do say something, you're now the angry black woman. Yep. Like, it could be, like, the smallest thing, and it's like, hey, I don't like this, and now you're, hey, security, you're being angry, when really we're just expressing ourselves, and then maybe sometimes it doesn't come out the best way, but I think, like, we're tired, and we're frustrated. And I was, it was twofold for me, I was tired and blindsided. I didn't realize how prevalent racism still is and, and was when I came in, so I was shocked. I thought that I was going into a professional environment where rules and guidelines kept people in line and in check. Um, so I tried to play along to get along, you know. Uh, maybe they'll like me tomorrow. Uh, maybe it's not because I'm black that he doesn't like me. I don't know, you know. Um, and I, it was pent up. So finally, I went off. I went off. Like, how many times are you going to disrespect me and I don't say anything? And then there comes the angry black woman. So while I'm trying to file a complaint on this supervisor who was disrespecting me, they're telling me, well, you were um, being belligerent. That's a corporate for angry black woman. (laughs) Right, exactly. So and then like even being a young 23 year old, I mean, you figure we're basically like fresh out of college. You know, me and Janelle both went to Long Beach State. We've been on each other since we're nine years old, went to college together. And being fresh, like we're young, we're naive. We're just thinking like, okay, society tells us to go to college, get a good degree, get a good job. But they never tell you about what happens when you get that job and the game that you have to play. So I can only imagine being young and going into an environment like whoa like I'm dope like I'm highway patrol I got shit popping and then your whole world starts crumbling down yes um you know we being that we've known each other since we were nine we followed that path that our parents set before us you know go to college work hard um you know if you strive for it you can achieve it I believed it right so I was also taught to love what I do. So I stumbled into this job, but realized, oh my gosh, this could be fun. I'm going to love it. 
and I'll just work hard. And I have set out a plan for when I'd promote, and, you know, seven years in, I want to do everything just like everyone else. And very quickly, I realized, in fact, people came up to me and said, like, you know, you're not going to be anything here because that was the culture when I walked in the door. So they were already grumbling behind closed doors about my presence, period. Mm. You know, so I did not realize that there was the stereotype of all black people are uneducated thieves, liars, but I've been accused of every single one of those things. And I am the girl that you went to Sunday school with, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm right. just a regular, I'm not doing anything outside of what my coworkers are doing. I would never steal because that's not who I am. Nothing to do with my job, you know? Um, and I just wasn't prepared to automatically be labeled a liar, a thief, a gangster. Everything that I say is questioned the tone in which I say things is questioned. I wasn't prepared for that. So do you know how long the Nevada Highway Patrol has been around? Like how uh, long? 112 years, I think. State so police for Nevada has been around like 112 years. So then you got to think when you came in at 23 in 2005, how was it that, and that was 15 years ago, how was it that you're like the first black highway like first of all like that's huge I remember when we found out about it a couple years ago we posted all about it because we're all excited but I think now like when you really put it into perspective like that's not really an accomplishment it's it's sad right okay so it's it's so huge that I started out parole and probation which they're um a little more more diverse on that side of the law enforcement house so I kind of snuck into highway patrol Mm -hmm. had I come in and interviewed through highway patrol I highly doubt considering I'm the first one that I would have gotten in but Mm. when I did come in I didn't even nowhere in my imagination could I fathom being the first black female anything at this point in my life in America right you know what I mean so I put on that uniform and I'm just trying to do what everybody else is doing and it was a older black sergeant that looked at me and tried to tell me in code hey you know you're the first one to wear that uniform and naive me, I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I got 27 classmates here. And we had just got new uniforms, too. So I ain't that off. You right. know? Um, and my my white male classmate says, does stupid, you're the first black female. I had no idea. Mm. Because that just was so far from my imagination. Right. Coming from San Diego, I've seen black captains. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen black women make it much further than they do here at this agency. Right. Yeah. So is there room for like growth here like is there or you kind of just you're tapped out like what where can you actually actually go with this or somebody's like roadblocking you like what can you do like what can you become at this point wow that's a good question all right so imagine this time flies as we all know Mm -hmm. I started 15 years ago but I still look like I'm 23 um because black don't crack you know (laughs) So imagine that my coworkers are now achieving, they've made it through the ranks. Okay. Um, our highest sworn person. So in other police departments, it'll be like your police chief, right? Mm-hmm. That person only has me by three years. He's only three years senior to me. Wow. So my classmates are majors, captains, lieutenants, and of course, sergeants. My, my classmates have made it through the ranks. Mm-hmm. So when they started promoting, keeping in mind too, I took the sergeant's test without studying. I missed it by one question the first time I took it and I passed it and was number five on the list the last time I took it. Mm-hmm. So I did have dreams of promotion and I wanted to do it in a fairly timely manner. Um, I definitely have the ability to lead. I've been told that by 
many people there. Um, but I realized about as soon as I got in there that your path is definitely written before you get there. Right. And though I wasn't the first black person on the department, the people before me are of a different generation. They're of a, you know, get a state job, put your head down, do your job, you know, get through it. And here I come. I'm not. You're not going to treat me different. You're not going to treat me bad. So very quickly, I saw they're not going to like me for promotion, but I'll change some things on the inside. So I didn't get to make my mark with bars and on my collar and stripes on my sleeve, but I've changed policy. I stood up when I was standing alone. Um, I've made my mark, but I'm not going anywhere promotion wise. It's not going to happen. So it's just, and that's like so frustrating. Like you say, like we have to work so much harder and it's like work so much harder to do what, to get where, to get where. Yeah. Like we're not really getting anywhere by working twice as hard. And like you said, like, generation before us they put their head down they didn't work and I think Mm -hmm. our parents our grandparents they you know they're the generation that says go to college get a good job get a trade get something and then you go work in corporate America and you stay there yeah and you put their head down and you don't do it you don't rock the boat but I feel like our generation eh, uh sorry and not putting up with it you and I both were fairly quiet Yes. Played by the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, hence the name of your podcast. Yes. So it's funny because I was just asking you, who are you with your activism and your speaking out? But who am I? So mm-hmm. these fights were presenting themselves to me. And I was calling home like, mom, but I don't want to fight. Like, I totally want to be the girl to blend in everywhere mm-hmm. in school and right. track and everything. Just I don't want to be first. I don't want to be last. I don't care. Just don't see me. Right. And I didn't have that opportunity. I walk in the door, they're bullying me. I'm running to my older um, senior guys and asking like, what do I do? But they don't want me to fall on my sword. I got kids. They don't want to see me. They, they're they happy I made it on. Don't get right. fired, you know, just be quiet. It'll be fine. Um, and I just, I'm not made of that. And even if I tried, I just would, I would explode. I have to speak up when I see wrong, when I feel like there's injustices. So I haven't stopped speaking up. So. I think that society makes us that way. Like, you know, like you said, like, I'm quiet. I've been quiet. High school, middle school, track, you name yeah. it. Like, I was always the quiet. And I, I feel like that's why the podcast for me, it's like, it's so important because when you're quiet, it's like you you have all these thoughts running through your mind. You yes. may eventually, like, write them down. But what good is that if nobody can hear you? Yes. And a lot of times people push you. Your back is up against the wall. You're probably constantly being pushed into a corner and then you explode and you say I'm not going to take this shit anymore I can't take this shit anymore and I think for me too it comes like with kids like I have to create a path for my so my kids don't have to deal with the same thing because it's traumatizing and this is your legacy if my kids were to read my legacy I'd rather it be my mom was always in trouble because she was standing up for what's right then I just laid down and took it exactly I just I remember just crying on the way to work, like, and then getting, wiping my tears and walking to the office, like, everything was okay. Yep. But I was, like, dying inside in my, at, at the, at, in my, um, my cubicle, like, I hate it here, you know? Like, why can't I just be me? Yep. That's it. And imagine this, like, my job is my passion. Mm-hmm. I get to talk to different people every day. I get to impact the community in which I live. I know it's super cheesy, but I really, really, really love my job. And with me loving my job, it means that I make my department look good at all times. I definitely don't make us look bad because I really care. You know, I want, 
my the impression I make on a child or anybody as a police officer, it matters to me. You know, so I'm out here making you look good while you treating me like a criminal on the inside is just devastating. You know, and so now I'm dealing with looking at 15 years in and you there are people that trust me enough to run their entire shift. There were nights on graveyard where there was no one but me. I was the watch commander. Hmm. So I am capable of running an entire shift by myself. That never happens on anybody else's shift. I don't know anyone that's been left. You are the watch commander for tonight. I have that skill, that level of skill and people that trust me to that degree, but I can't even pick up rank because you're not going to let me. Because of the color of your skin. It's not like you lack the education. It's not like you lack the, the knowledge, the experience or anything. It's like when you start doing a checklist and you check all the boxes, but then that's that one little box. You have to know that it has to be because you're black in yep. this space. That was hard to accept. Do you remember how long it took you to really accept that that's what it was? Mm-hmm. Like, like that's you, not my go-to, you know? No, like you think like, oh, well, maybe I, I didn't do this right. Or maybe you start making excuses. Yeah. But then when you start hearing things, like I remember my, I came in with some long box braids and my boss was like, oh, your hair is so cute. I just want to touch it. And I remember going to HR and saying, like, I feel, that made me feel uncomfortable. And he looked at me like, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so then you just have to accept it, you know? Like, that's it. That's, you just take it. Yep. And now um, I've had to sit and think, because I'm 15 years in, um, could I have just been quiet? Would I be further along? You know, I still want to make myself wrong at times because they beat into my head that I'm always wrong. And I thought about it. And the answer to that is no. If I had been quiet, I would have been gone by 2007. They would have railroaded me right out the door. So it's a good thing that I spoke up for myself because that would have been a devastating way to end it. But the truth is, like, there's just no winning. The only thing I can win with is I can sleep well at night because I know that I stand up when it's time to stand up. So going into, I kind of want to touch base on like, what are some situations that you have faced um, over the last 15 years? I know that one for me that we've talked before and you have said, I think that you were, it was nighttime, you're on a night shift and you got pulled over by a coworker or maybe somebody, a senior rank. Mm -hmm. And you were a little scared because it was dark. I want to say like a camera yes turned off or something yep so kind of walk us through that situation and like is that normal like how does that Ooh. play out and that's one of many situations but these are the kind of things Cherie, that i you see on movies and i've been quiet about them for all these years and so it does feel so freeing to be able to tell these stories now have the courage to right. so um i'm just a regular trooper so i'm just your i don't have any rank right the person that um, I stop out with is a lieutenant so he's two ranks above me you know okay. so a pretty powerful guy that person would run an entire shift he gets his mm-hmm. own shift that he runs right. so um, before this stop I was working a contract where I worked with some other officers from different agencies mm-hmm. and there was um, she was a younger girl she wanted to just chit chat but we didn't know anybody in common because we worked for two different agencies so the one person we did have in common was this lieutenant now this lieutenant didn't matter to me at all I don't care what he's doing where he is he wasn't my lieutenant he wasn't over my shift I hadn't had contact with him in years okay so she runs down all the latest gossip about what he's been doing where right and I literally I don't care I am just at this point I'm in my 30s I'm just appeasing this 23 year old like "Uh uh-huh uh-huh right so 
at some point this young lady runs into this man and tells him that I told her everything that she actually told me mm-hmm. super childish I really don't care but I didn't know this until that night so he's on a stop that's far out from town there's nobody out there it's really dark and I'm stopping out with him because that's what you do you know make sure you're safe so he's on a stop I stop out with him and I'm he's asking me what's going on you know so I'm kind of catching him up because years prior we used to work on the same shift together when he was still a trooper and it's just I've got this funny vibe right I I feel like he's looking for something or he's holding me there you know not physically at that point but he's keeping me there for some reason Mm -hmm. so he's keeping me there so that the person that he just stopped can drive off and then once the person drives off he goes to his car. We have a camera in our car and we had just gotten body cameras. So he goes to his car and turns off his car camera. He goes to um, look at me and ask me if my car, car camera's on. I'm like, no, my car camera's not on. He reaches over, physically turns my body camera off on my person, touches me, turns my camera off, turns his camera off. And he proceeds to berate me about how he doesn't like people who talk shit and don't know what they're talking about. And it's taking me a mi- minute to like, what is he ta- I have no clue what he's talking about he's um like cornering me like physically he's coming closer to me and he keeps slapping me on the back um he's calling me by my maiden name which I had been my married name for around 12 years at that point or something crazy like that right mm-hmm. he's just doing this physically intimidating thing that cops do why do I know because I'm a cop you know so um and he's just laying down the law now that we don't have anything recording now he's cussing I don't, you know, don't talk shit about me, blah, blah, blah. And I was so intimidated and so in a bad spot. Like he could literally have killed me or whatever to me on the side of the road. And nobody would have known for a while that Mm -hmm. I didn't explain to him that I never said those things about him. I just let him say what he had to say. And I got in my car and I probably sat there for 15 minutes shaking because he wanted me to feel that physical intimidation. Right. Flat out. And he's made my life a living hell since he's launched several investigations on me. These things really happen. Dang. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. And it's it's a, it's a shaky um, situation, a scary situation, because friend to friend, I'm thinking, like, my friend couldn't be here right now, you know, because yep. anything could have happened. We start doing, it's nighttime, turning cameras off, and that's just shady in itself. Yep. And because of who you are they could have just been like oh well it was just shit happens yeah like she just disappeared we don't know yeah Yeah. like it's whatever so it's like things like that it's i i remember you telling me that story and it's like whoa like you're dealing with something crazy like this is kind of like life or death situation and it, it becomes deeper than just being black in corporate america just being bullied because now it's like intimidation you don't know if they're plotting behind you or anything. And yes. it's like, what's next? You know, it's like walking on eggshells because you don't know what's going to happen. For 15 years. Mm-hmm. And you then start to feel like maybe you're crazy, you know? Like, you know, I don't even like to tell my story to many because mm-hmm. it sounds like a movie. Right. But there's always something. I'm, I've am i been waiting for the other shoe to drop for 15 years. And it always does. You right. know, throughout every year, I'm going to have X amount of times that I spend at home on admin and it's simply because I won't cower. And why would I? I literally went to school for criminal justice. So I didn't just fall into this as much as I make light of it. Right. I've been watching cops since it started. You know what I mean? Like, so this is my dream, whether I want to admit it or not. I'm not going to cower to you. Right. I'm just yeah. not going to. But it gets literally to the level of 
fear for my physical well-being. So kind of walk me through too, because I know we talked and you saying like, sometimes when you wake up in the morning, you put the uniform on and it's like in extreme anxiety just to go off into what does that feel like? And like, why? Like, what do you do to kind of help get over that? So that is something that I've just newly begun talking about out loud because I was ashamed, right? So as a woman in law enforcement, people automatically assume you're going to be weak. Most men didn't want us there when we started. And so I've, I've, I'm a pretty tough girl, you know, but I'm a crybaby. If you really know me, you know I cry. Um, so I had been hiding the fact that because I've been bullied pretty much since year two of my career, and keeping in mind that I was a good kid, I didn't get in a lot of trouble. I hate being in trouble. Like that feeling of walking to the principal's office, mm-hmm. the anxiety, the thought of getting in trouble, I hate getting in trouble. So now fast forward to my adult life and everything I do is wrong and every move I make is wrong and I don't want attention yet I'm getting attention from all the higher ups at my department I just like it's the epitome of anxiety so I get up every morning I have I'm blessed to work with my best friend and when we work together we have a great time but I'm anxious because I don't know if today I'm going to be under investigation every single day So I literally, I'm sweating, I'm dizzy, my stomach hurts, and I have to battle through this routine anxiety every single morning of my life that I go to work. And then I put on the happy face. And as long as, you know, the higher ups don't mess with me, I'm good. And most days, you know, they don't mess with me, but I'm so accustomed to, I mean, I think I have a record for how many open investigations I have. I'm so accustomed to getting to work and being like, go to the principal's office Mm. do you actually know how many open investigations you have um currently i have three open investigations that i'm fighting okay that's huge that's unheard of do you know how many have in total in the last 15 years in the last 15 years i'll give you a ballpark of eight wow um so keeping in mind because I didn't think that that was that many heck when I was at six I didn't think it was that many right so I'm talking to a retired guy one day and I'm like you know what was me kind of deal and he says I gotta be about the stupidest mofo in a department and I left there with no investigations wow so they're using discipline as a form of bullying and a lot of days I'm empowered because I know that I'm standing up and I'm fighting it and I beat them. I beat, I beat everything that I haven't done. I've beat. And if you're a cop and you're doing your job, right, you're going to have some investigations and sometimes when I just messed up, but as far as the things that they make up, I beat them every time. So it seems empowering and I want to pave the way for maybe they won't do this for the next generation, but physically my body is definitely showing signs of stress. So where are you at now? Because I understand, like you say, you have three open investigations. Um, So what does that mean? And what's your current status at work? Okay, so, um, you know, three investigations. uh, They're in different phases of fighting. Um, So that shouldn't mean anything. Like, it doesn't mean you have to be off the road if you didn't violate anybody's civil rights or kill anyone. I've never had a complaint from the public. I've never been accused of misconduct when it comes to the public. Um, I love my job. So my attacks are always from within. So they'll bring me under investigation and then they'll say, well, come sit in the office and do 
background checks, which makes no sense. I'm such a terrible employee that I'm under investigation constantly, but you want me to pick the people that work for you. Doesn't make sense, right? So um, recently, uh, I think in light of our what's going on in our nation, I've been outspoken. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, someone's concerned about my anxiety. So they take my patrol car. And I'm sitting at home on admin leave, waiting for them to decide when I come back to work. Um, And they had sent me to a doctor to make sure that I'm fit for duty. Um, I've been there a few times. And it's just, there's nothing wrong with me mentally. I just will say you're wrong when you're wrong. So I'm home getting paid until they decide they want me to come back. So I think like, and I think anybody listening to this would be like, what the hell? Because in in light of what's going on with the police and like, you know, Black Lives Matter and like Blue Lives Matter and things like that, it's like you see cops that are not doing the right thing and then nothing happens to them. And then you have somebody like you that's doing the right thing and then everything happens to you. Yep. So I know it's like, what the hell? Like, that's that's frustrating, you know? I don't. Like, I feel like there's a word greater than that. It's disheartening. Right. For sure. Right. Because um, they don't even hide it. I'll never forget back in 2014, they launched this investigation that was totally bogus to where the colonel had to come down and just dismiss the whole thing. Prior to that, like a week before they started investigating me, for nothing made up stuff not even joking mm-hmm. um one of my i worked out in a outside of the las vegas area and one of my squad mates was obviously harassing hispanics so mm-hmm. when i say obvious my sergeant was a pretty smart guy he pulled all the stats and he could see that any hispanic name had uh more than one citation Mm-hmm. And if they were doing 100 miles an hour, they were cited for 100 miles an hour, whereas everyone else was cited, you know, six, 75 and a 65. Right. He showed me these numbers and he just said, look through these and tell me what you notice. And I pick out what I noticed because most troopers don't write full tickets like that. So mm-hmm. it's, it jumps off the page. Right. And I'm like, oh, well, clearly we have a pattern here. He did nothing. So nothing happened to him. And then nothing happened to him. And then they launched a nine month investigation on me where he made up all the allegations. So then they're not even smart with like hiding it. <laughs> they it's don't just even like attempt to. Right. It's just out there. And I think too, like I think it's one of those things of they don't have to. No. Like they can do whatever because they know it's just gonna roll off and because then I'll just they'll just dumb it down to oh, she's just pulling the race card again. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so, I was pulling the race card. Yeah, so no one, they expect that no one's going to believe me. And the reason why I always beat them is because not only do they expect that no one will believe me, they for some reason believe that I don't have any friends in the department and no one talks to me. So I'll know all the ins and outs of everything happening. And in their assumption, everyone's on their side, you know? Right. So we can do what we want to her. No one's going to side with her. And here I am. I have retired people that support me that have seen them bully me and that stand behind me because trust me I have gotten down on myself where I'm like is it just me and I've had people come and say it's not you Mm-mm. they're bullying you right so does it make it feel better when somebody it's like you're not crazy you know yes. like I know for me it was like the final day when I left and this I got pulled to the side by a coworker and was like, I hate the way your boss talks to you. I'm so sorry that's happening to you. Like, what a bitch. You know, like another coworker. And for me, I sat down at my desk and was like, 
finally somebody sees it. Yes. Um, because it's been so long for me, I need that validation often. Right. Um, I learned from my younger years, um, you know, you're consumed when it's happening to you every day, when you know that every day you get up, you just want to be a better version of yourself and treat people right. And you go to work and you get made into this criminal. You want to talk about it. It consumes you. So I learned years ago not to talk too much about it with my coworkers. It wears people out. They're like, you know, I got your back for five minutes. And then when it's going on for seven months, they're like, oh my God, she's talking about it again. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, So the more mature me just I talk to it about you know with people that I can talk to but it is amazing to have people that have stood by me for this duration of this and when they were younger they were too afraid to speak out and too afraid to acknowledge what was going on and now those people are solid in my corner you know call me I'll testify it it's keeping me sane and it's keeping me knowing that I'm doing the right things because if everyone was quiet I might still be questioning myself at this point they want you to of course, they want to silence you. They want to do everything to. They want to force you out, and I yes. think that's kind of like where I was at. I I remember the day I resigned, and the HR manager looked at me, and he was like, "Oh, so you're resigning?" Yeah, he looked like a sigh of relief, like who's yes. like the problem person is leaving. I believe that my sitting at home. How long have I been home now? Almost two months, probably. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that my being home is a relief for the people that hate me and want to ruin my career. It's also a relief for the people that have found themselves forced to stand up for me because it creates friction for them. And I get it. It's a trickle down effect. If I end up on your squad, oh, my God, I have to watch everything she does, document everything she does, you know, scrutinize her reports extra, make reports. People ask me about her. I am work. Mm. So I acknowledge that. And then it goes up the ranks because then the lieutenant feels pressured. And normally what happens when they feel this pressure is they cave and they bully me, too. Because I've made more work for them. And if if the last command was bullying her, why shouldn't we be bullying her? There must be a reason. Something's wrong with her, yeah. So I believe, in light of, like I said, all that's going on, and I am definitely outspoken about Black Lives Mattering, um, I think that I it's a break for them, too. Mm, so what? they're not even calling me. And most of the time they should call you when you're at home like this. When I'm at home like this, I'm supposed to, they give you formal documents, giving you instructions, but I didn't get any, but you're supposed to call and check in. So if they're going to pay you to sit at home, you're supposed to call and check in with your boss. You know, um, I, Hey, if they don't call me, I don't call them. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not breaking any rules. I'm sitting right here at home because I don't mind as long as I'm getting my pay, Right. but I can feel the relief because not one person has even called to say, Hey, are you breathing? What's going yeah. on? Yep. Wow. So what's so what's next? How long do you think you can do this for? And how long do you think you're going to do this for? So I like to be in tune with myself. And I'll say this. I feel like I have all the strength needed to fight this fight. Right? Mm-hmm. But to be put under investigation during a global pandemic to be accused of things that you would never, ever do when there are people that do what they accuse me on, on the department on a daily basis, but I'm not made of that. Um, it, it was hurtful. Um, I'm overly concerned with the health and wellness of everybody and their families. Cause when I came on, our department was a family. So I'm at home. I never sold a day in my life. I'm making masks for my squad mates. I'm reminding my young squad mates, Hey, you have kids at home, wear your mask. And then I get blindsided with an investigation yet again. 
This has got to be my last investigation. So I have all that I have to give. I'm strong. I've, I'm experienced. Um, I'm putting everything I have into this last fight because it has to be my last fight. That was not easy to come to terms with, mm-hmm. but the moment that I realized I, my purpose is served here and I'd like to go on and I'd like to move into um, advocating for people that go through what, I go, what I've gone through for 15 years because I'm not alone. And this goes on nationwide in all departments everywhere. Um, and it's tough. Um, suicide in law enforcement is a big, dark secret that they never talk about. Last year, there were um, 200 more suicides than, than there were deaths by gunfire or, you know, from assailants. Right. So, and this is what it comes down to. It's they mentally beat you down. Um, so I'd like to transition while I'm still in a good place and hope. That's good. I like it. I think it's it's unfortunate that we go through things, but then I also God makes no mistakes. And there you I go. look at it like he's putting he's putting you in position. He's put myself in positions to where we can make change. Yes. You know, and I feel like that's it's it sucks that we have to go through it, but then I see why. Yep. Because if you didn't go through it, then nobody would create that space. Yep. And I I've most of my fight I felt alone um so that this is my purpose so it's funny because when I did rank on the last sergeant's um list I knew I chuckled I put in because so many people support me and so many people want to see me promote but I chuckled inside because I knew it wasn't time Mm -hmm. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do right and that is what keeps me going um I if I think too long, I miss being out there with the public. I really, really, really like what I do, but um, there's some greater good to be had. And I want to move on to the next chapter. Many officers struggle with what they'll do next. I'm not struggling there. I know that I have a purpose outside of this. So anyone that's listening and that's, and I, it's crazy. Cause when I, when I put my blog out and I, I kind of dove deep, people were reaching out to me that I didn't even know. And we're saying like, whoa, like I really love your story. Your story sounded so familiar and I'm going through the same thing. So for me, when I heard that, I was kind of like you, like, what can I do more? But for anybody that's like listening, like what's your piece of advice for them? Like words of encouragement, just anything that you would have for them. If you're doing your job in good faith, right? Not perfect because none of us are perfect. If you're doing your job in good faith and you feel like you're being bullied it took me a long time to recognize and acknowledge it but don't second guess yourself and don't question it you know talk to people that support you if you don't have the courage to speak out maybe find someone that does um a a really good friend of mine just turned me on to a book of a, a retired police officer from california that went through the same thing so i heard my story being told um from his book and his podcast know that you're not alone don't second guess yourself. Don't beat yourself out. Reach out to other people um, and just know you're not alone and you have rights. Fight for them. Definitely do. Like, fight. And I, even if you are quiet, like, fight. Fight. Still. You like, have. It's just... your legacy. When, when somebody told me that, that's all I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. It's your legacy. That's all. Like, how do you want to be remembered? Like, the yeah. person that told it or the person that was like, nah, I'm not, I'm not taking that. Like, what they say, like, I'm not my, I'm not my ancestors. I'm not my ancestors, boy. 
I'm with the shits. Like, I'm ready. Like, I just told my grandmother, my grandmother's generation is the quiet generation. Right. And I said, okay, I see why. I was like, you know, you wasn't getting sprayed down the street with the water hoses and stuff. Right. I'm not my grandmother. No, I don't I'm have ready. nothing to prove to you. I'm qualified to be here. Mm-hmm. You accept that or you don't, and we'll deal with it. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. I'm ready. Yep. So, thank you, Janelle. Appreciate it. Um, that's kind of all we have right now. And I want to definitely keep this going. I want to start. That's why I called it part one, because I feel like there's so many stories out there that need to be told. So I appreciate you being on part one and sharing your story. And do you have any last words to say before we close? I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about my story. Um, that's therapy in itself. And anybody that has questions or needs to talk or can relate, find me. I'm here. I'll put all your handles on there too. All right. Um, so, so yeah, so good. Thank you. You guys just listened to episode five of Quiet Girl with a lot of shit to say, being black in corporate America, part one. We out.